From runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 672, Azure Sphere in 2020, with guest James Scott. Recorded Tuesday, November 5th, 2019. Run As Radio is produced each week by Sound Thoughts, LLC. For more information, visit soundthoughtsllc.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell. Thanks for listening to Run As Radio. I'm here at Ignite in Orlando uh, for the big conference. This is with me and 30,000 of my closest friends. And I'm here with James Scott, who's a principal program manager for Azure Sphere, and he's interested in securing the Internet of Things and all the new user experiences that Secure IoT enables. Welcome, sir. Well, hey, nice to be here. Yeah, thanks so much for coming out. And uh, of course, yeah, here we are on your big show. You've got you, you're doing a talk on Azure Sphere as well, right? Actually, uh, for me, yesterday we ran a hands-on lab, oh, okay. uh, which was really exciting. Um, so we had people uh, actually, you know, with Visual Studio Open, walking through the developer experience. Um, and, and, and hardware. And like, hardware. Yeah, yeah. I, I can tell you a bit about that if you want. Yeah, well, I, I think it's just, we talked about Azure Sphere a year ago. Well, let's go back sure. to the beginning here a little bit, because I think that's the important story here, right? It's like specific hardware that's, that starts security there and goes up. Am I describing it correctly when it comes to Azure Sphere? Um, I mean, you're absolutely right that hardware is a key part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Azure Sphere is a, a, a solution comprising hardware uh, software and cloud right. uh, services that that all come together as a package, and one of the big value propositions of Azure Sphere is that it is a package. Right. Um, so if you're trying to be secured uh, uh, in how you build out IoT devices, you need all of those three things working together uh, to provide what we call the seven properties of highly secure devices, um, uh, which which rely on, on on all of those three things. You can't just have like a TPM and say, oh, we're secure, because right. it completely depends how you use it. It completely depends on how you use that then in talking to your cloud service to attest to the cloud service that that device is running the bits that it's supposed to. Right. So unless you have all those pieces end-to-end, uh, then then uh, you can't really call yourself a secure platform. Okay. So, and what are the seven uh, aspects of highly secure devices? Now you're really putting me on the spot here. <laughs> if you memorize them? Uh, I, I, you know, no, I, there's no sort of, you know, you must go, thou shalt go and, and right. re- memorize them. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a hardware root of trust. Right. There's a small trusted computing base. Uh, there's, are you looking it up? So you're checking me out. Here. I am. Right? <laughs> sure. Let's see. Uh, so um, there's uh, compartmentalization and defense in depth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we uh, require uh, renewable security through OS updates and other platform updates. Right. It has to be patchable, but securely patchable. It has to be patchable all the way. Every piece of software uh, on, on that device has to be patchable. Uh, you know, from sort of things you'd normally think of as, oh, we'll replace the app through all the OS layers and even, uh, you know, our security monitor sure. uh, at the at the lower layer uh, and our, even our bootloader. Wow. Uh, yeah, you you have to be able to patch those because otherwise, uh, you know, there How might be vulnerability. vulnerability. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, where did I get to? Did I get to five? I think you're at least five, yeah. So, I, I, found, I found the PDF and I'll include it in the show notes if folks want to read along. There we go. <laughs> Yes. And then the other important one there, uh, is, um, 
is uh, uh, error, error reporting telemetry. Right, so, the failure reporting, actually sure. knowing when there's a problem. Sure, absolutely. So, um, you know, this lets you get ahead of uh, problems you didn't, uh, you wouldn't know about otherwise mm-hmm. and fix those problems before they become exploitable uh, uh, attacks. Yeah, how often do we find after we're exploited to a point where we lost services that we have log files going back for yeah. months that yeah. showed attempts you look back to breach? And you see uh, exactly. There, there are telltale signs if you know where to look. So yeah, if yeah. you want to be secured, you, you can wait until, uh, um, you until know, failure, until failure and, and then deal with it. Or you can look for these telltale signs mm-hmm. and, and get ahead of it, uh, and never experience the failure. So what makes, what is, is the distinction of Azure Sphere that you have, like put this entire composite kit together of all the pieces? Um, that is certainly one of the distinctions. So, um, uh, with Azure Sphere, what you get is Microsoft is on the hook for providing those seven properties all the way up and down the stack. So we provide the seven properties. We keep your, 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 uh, platform safe. And you then as a customer, uh, say you're, uh, you know, uh, an integrator building a new, let's say a white goods device. Mm-hmm. Then you need to write your app that turns it from a generic chip into a, you know, that white goods device. Sure. Wh- whatever it might be. Uh, but you don't need to worry about the OS staying up to date. Right. Uh, about all that different platform elements staying up to date. Um, and you also uh, don't need to worry about the compatibility of your application with the OS uh, right. um, over time. We maintain a, a stable ABI uh, for, for the application. So in this sense now, I'm thinking back to your workshop. Yeah, you provided hardware for them to work on, but for the most part, they don't need to think about those lower layers. They just program on top of this and can sort of count on it being secured. Um, Yes and no. The the uh, y- you know you clearly need to worry, you know that wh- what did I say the white goods die? Let's imagine this is a dishwasher. Sure. I mean clearly you need to worry about the hardware for the pumps and the heater and right. all of, you know so you do need to worry about hardware. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but you don't need to worry about the sort of um, the, the OS. Right. Uh, the the, the, the microcode inside that device is is protected. The operating system is running on top of it. It's protected. Like you've got those layers already handled. So. I'm worrying about doing the job that I wanted in exactly, this IoT space. Exactly, and the same is true on the cloud service side. Mm-hmm. So the uh, uh, one of the other key value props of, of Azure Sphere is uh, that our uh, security service provides certificate-based authentication. That was another of the properties. Mm-hmm. It that was I in the list. I wasn't going to say anything. Yeah, well, no, I, I, I had it. <laughs> you there. got there. Um, the certificate-based authentication for these devices, so that uh, your cloud service uh, that you want to run, you don't want to have to worry about. Well, this device is knocking on the door. How right. do I know? It's my device. It's my device. Yeah, yeah. How do I know it's not my device A that someone hacked to pretend to be my device B? Mm-hmm. How do I know that it's, you know, uh, um, not someone else's device? And this cloud service may have never seen this device before. Right. Because right. it's just rolled off the production line. It sat in a warehouse for five years. It's come online and goes, hey, you can trust me. Yeah. Here's some data. Trust it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Put that in your machine learning model and, 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 you know, yeah. trust it, please. Yeah. Um, but based on our uh, Azure Sphere security service, we take on the job of verifying that that uh, device is running uh, a secured mm-hmm. operating system. It is running legitimate bits. Uh, it is running the code you expect. And then we issue it with a cert that it then, when it knocks on the door and says, here you go, I really am this device, that cert parents up to a, uh, a tenant-level cert for your tenant. Right. Uh, that then parents up to a Microsoft uh, cert. So if you trust that tenant-level cert in your service, then anything which has a valid sort up again, you know, that, that, that is parents to that, uh, it's because the Azure Sphere security service is making sure of that device's security for you. So in, in your description there, it sounds like any of these devices booting up is going to check in with Microsoft first 
before it starts calling to the services that uh, that I might want him to talk to. Um, yes, that's the way it works mm-hmm. in terms of the internet-facing side. So when our uh, device comes online, uh, you know, in order to talk to uh, you know the your um, uh, uh, say this dishwasher company, mm-hmm. you know, to continue that example's uh, cloud service, uh, you know, it needs to provide this 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 client cert. The only way it can get this client cert that that uh, uh, that cloud service will trust is talking to the Azure Sphere Security Service first, which will just do the job of checking. As I said, that the device is, is up to date, right? And secured. So, the the programming model on top of this is the sort of traditional kind of uh, working in C sharp .NET that that kind of programming, or is it a little more low level than that? C for the device. Yeah, for working with the device. Yeah. Um, so for the device. And I'm thinking about your workshop. Oh right. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, so on the device, there's the device side and the cloud side. On, clearly, on the cloud side, you can you can program with whatever you want. On the sure. device side, uh, at the moment, we're supporting C, mm-hmm. which is the sort of standard for um, for embedded hardware. embedded yeah. embedded hardware. Yeah. So that's that's what we're doing. But my experience dealing with uh, the embedded developer types is that pretty much every platform was unique too. Are we sort of getting to a place where we have more generalized hardware? The skills work uh, more easily across? Um, that's one of the directions we think is a really valuable direction. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, with uh, Azure Sphere providing uh, um, a stable uh, platform and now with m- multiple different silicon vendors supporting that, one of the benefits of that for customers using Azure Sphere is that then their applications are more easily portable. Sure, yeah. You, you do the, all that effort to make it work on this dishwasher, yeah. you can build another model and carry a bunch of that code forward. Yeah. You would, you would hope so. Um you obviously worked on some of these projects. Like I've, I've seen in the Azure Sphere now, a year later, some more case studies and and you know stories of different companies that have worked on that. And I think about it. I I, I got to think there's some people listening right now thinking, well, why would I want an IoT device in my dishwasher? Like, what's the answer to that? What is what is this level of sophistication of hardware inside a dishwasher give? To uh, to the vendor, yeah. So there, uh, there. Are, I mean, loads of different answers to that. The simplest thing is, you know, the convenience of remote control and remote awareness for things. Uh, there's also the ability to remotely uh, uh, diagnose and service the device sure. and make sure that it, it it's uh, working right. Um, you know, dishwashers have consumables, so you could start linking that up with uh, you know your shopping and automating things arriving at the right yeah. time. Um, so, yeah, so yeah, I'm also starting to see. You know, I love the idea of you know these premium products where. The device is saying the pump is in trouble before it's failed and talking to services. Mm. The service is calling you and saying, hey, your dishwasher is letting us know it's having some problems. We'd like to come and service yeah. it. Like so, I, I think it's a great role reversal for versus my dishwasher fails. Now I call for help. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know about on the consumer side. We might see this, but certainly on the enterprise side, one of the things I really love about IoT is it aligns the business incentives better. Right. Right. So if we're moving from model of, oh, let me sell you this appliance. And then, you know, later on, you might need a new one. So mm-hmm. I make my money then and may, I need, I, you know, at some point, maybe, maybe it'd be nice if this device broke so I could sell you a new uh, one yeah. sometime down the line. That's a bit of a weird incentive, though, yeah. right? But if you move to a model where, uh, you know, a provider uh, uh, in an enterprise situation saying, look, you know, I'll provide all your freezers for you. Right. right, and I it's it's up to me to provide you freezing as a service, right? right like right. chilling, coldness. The, the as actual a device itself is almost secondary. to The point you yeah. will have, you know, dishwashing as a service. But and and then everyone's incentives are actually correctly aligned. Yeah. It's in the uh, uh, um, you know uh, the incentive uh, incentive for the uh, uh, f- the 
coldness provider or whatever you want to call it, is these things should just work, right? They should work as cheaply as possible. They should work as efficiently as possible, better for the environment. Mm -hmm. They should, uh, you know, so they'll be replaced at the the right time to, you know, make their energy requirements minimal uh, compared to the cost of replacing them and so on. It just aligns the incentives, right? Yeah, no, I think that's really compelling. And and I I appreciate that you moved to that point of let's rethink the business model once we're looking at this level of capability of interaction yeah. with a device on site, wherever that may be. Uh, and of course, I'm, we're, we've been talking about a sort of a consumer solution here, but when you start talking about business solutions, I bet that gets even far more relevant. I, I see Starbucks as a customer of Azure Sphere. Yeah. I can think of a dozen ways that Starbucks might need this. Sure. Um, you know, Starbucks are, are using Azure Sphere in, in each of their stores mm-hmm. uh, to monitor their really, really important equipment. Uh, and, um, you know, that's, uh, it's a hugely val- valuable uh, value proposition for yeah, them. Making to do sure that. coolers keep yeah. working, that, that water's at the right temperature, like all that, that equipment is in good repair. So that your folks can go and maintain it before it breaks down those, and those stores can't make money. Yeah. No, I'd, I'd encourage you to check out uh, Galen's uh, talk. I think it's tomorrow mm-hmm. here here at Ignite, uh, where uh, somebody from Starbucks will actually be be on stage. Oh, that's that's got to be fun to yeah, actually yeah. bring him out yeah. and talk to talk that discuss yeah, story. Yeah, actually talk through the the whole use case and and uh, you know you can hear from from the horse's mouth rather than from me. You know what, <laughs> <laughs> why it's valuable to Starbucks? Yeah, no, it's it, it totally makes sense, and it's interesting just you know for for the listener here to think in terms of what are the business applications that would make a, a difference for us, and certainly as soon as you have plant you know gear out in the field to know in advance that if it has any problems know what the state of it all is yeah that's a very compelling stuff so many of those devices that, that people would really dearly love to monitor they were they were built in uh, before sort of there's this awareness of internet-based security threats right and and the the thought of connecting them to the internet is really compelling on one hand yes. and, and really really scary on the other terrifying. because that that's your core business infrastructure mm-hmm. that that you're now exposing to whomever wants to have a go at it there seems to be this sort of sense of i don't know resignation that as soon as we put something on the internet we cannot secure it is it uh, you know i appreciate that you guys are doing this deep model here like how secure are we talking? Like, is, is this the solution that we can actually have truly secure things on the internet? Well, security is never about absolutes. Okay. Um, it's, you know, to, to, to claim something is 100% secure, uh, is, is not something we do. Right. Uh, but what we have done is tacked into our learnings over many decades at Microsoft of, you know, having things online that people uh, try and attack. And so we have formulated and, and learned from all of Microsoft's experiences there. And, you know, our view is is is, uh, is clearly stated. It's the seven properties of highly secure devices that mm-hmm. we talked through earlier. Um, and, and we believe that if your device has those seven properties, then it is fit to be on the internet. Right. Right. It, and, it, and I, I got to think, like, you're not ending with the experience you've had so far. You know, the uh, my my vision of the cloud and working with Azure is that you're always monitoring. You see new threats and you can roll out ahead of those threats. Sure. Yes. Every release, we patch CVs. Mm-hmm. Every release. How we often ca- is a release? Uh, at the moment, we're doing uh, an OS update about once a month. Okay. Um, but that's, you know, that will obviously vary depending on things. If there was a zero day that was particularly important, then we'd react. You'd, re- you'd, you'd move on it. And why wouldn't you, right? And I guess, it's, again, now we're using the internet pro security that that continuous connectivity means also we can patch ahead of the threat absolutely that's right it's really cool and i'm going to interrupt for one moment for this very important message this episode of run as is brought to you by sql intersection 
You've heard the SQL Q&A shows we publish on RunAS twice a year from SQL Intersection. That is a microcosm of the five days of awesome learning available to you from the real-world consultants and members of the SQL Server team that speak at the show. Learn proven problem-solving techniques and technologies you can implement immediately, as well as insight into the future of SQL Server. Get answers to performance monitoring, troubleshooting, designing for scale and performance, working in the cloud, and exploring all the new features of the latest version of SQL Server. And if you still have questions by the end of the week, join the closing session at SQL Intersection to be part of the SQL Q&A show on Run As Radio. SQL Intersection is at the Walt Disney World Swan and Dolphin Resort in Orlando, Florida, April 5th to 10th. Use code RUNAS to get a discount on your registration at SQLintersection.com. See you there. And we're back. It's Richard Campbell. This is Run As Radio. I'm here with James Scott. We're at Ignite. And we've been talking a bit about uh, Azure Sphere. Going to, you're going to go GA in February? That's right. It's really exciting. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's been a couple of years, and here you are. It, it, yeah. it's, it's a product. So yeah. the, the customers we've been talking about so far, these are your beta testers or just uh, early adopters? Well, what we found, which is sort of you know very rare, I don't, I, I don't know of another case, mm-hmm. uh, is that uh, uh, customers have been so excited by the potential of Azure Sphere and, and, and what it brings to their business is right. that people are effectively going to market with what is not yet a GA product fine, from Microsoft fine, fine. because they're so convinced and, and committed to the uh, So the these folks product. basically knocked down your door <laughs> and said, no, no, we want to do this. We've been seeing, seeing a, a hugely strong signal that you know we need this and we need this now. Right. right? Like w- the, the value that we can accrue from uh, um, implementing it and putting it out there means that uh, you know we're willing to overlook the you know what's this label the label though <laughs> is usually important right? when when we are heading towards GA this is not just a sticker we are taking this very seriously in terms of uh, um, you know compliance in terms of BCDR mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, it's it's a big deal for us right and. It's a commitment on your part, too. Absolutely, so yeah. It also strikes me that there's got to be some kind of ongoing cost going forward for all of those services, the same way that Azure you know, has a compute price. Is it, is it going to be a per-device cost for, for consuming Azure Sphere? Uh, no, that's um, one of the key value props of the uh, of Azure Sphere that, okay. that our customers love. Uh, the pricing model for Azure Sphere is that uh, when you buy an Azure Sphere uh, chip mm-hmm. uh, from the silicon vendor, uh, or the distributor of that silicon right. vendor, then uh, upfront included in the price is 10 plus years access to the Microsoft uh, uh, Azure Sphere security service. Okay. Uh, you can provide your app updates and Microsoft will be taking care of the OS updates and, and providing the certificate-based auth that we uh, described earlier. And your presumption is after at least 10 years, you'd be replacing the hardware anyway. Like That's pretty old gear at that point. That's, you know, that's the signal we're hearing from market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, 10 years is a long time out. So I'm sure, time. you know, when it comes to that time, then we'll be having discussions with, with, with people. But, well, I, uh, I look at the U.S. Navy still demanding use using Windows XP and and pay, paying for support for it. It's like, I'm sure you'll make an exemption for the, the correct customer uh, who's willing to spend as necessary, but we're talking 10 years in the future. Yeah, Goodness I'm knows not, what we're going to be doing. I, exactly. I'm not, I'm not going to try and predict what no, the, no, the business models will be around then. It's one of those Im- Im- impossible things, but it is really interesting to see the, the driver. I mean, we've heard IoT buzz for a long time, sort of headless computers living in various locations, mm. various degrees of security. It's just a question of you know getting getting it all up done. When does do you have prototype hardware? What do you what's the development cycle look like? Do you are you simply working on production gear from day one, or do you have more flexible models of the secured gear that you can start experimenting with first? Um, 
So we have a, a, a sort of a growing hardware ecosystem with Azure Sphere that includes development boards, uh, that includes modules that help you go to market with greenfield devices because they're easy to integrate onto right. your motherboard. And we also have a, a guardian uh, modules as well, which are more suited to sort of brownfield deployments where they're standalone units that can be attached to existing hardware that you're securing. So, so we have both of those things. Add that into an existing piece of equipment. Yeah, into or beside an existing piece of equipment. I mean, this comes back to the point we were making earlier about, uh, you know, enterprises having a lot of equipment. They'd love to, you know, join it up to, to, to IoT scenarios, to Azure IoT and, uh, and reap the benefits of that. But, but they're scared to do that be- quite rightly because those, that hardware was not designed with these seven properties in mind. It wasn't right. designed with internet facing threats in mind. Sure. So what we're, what we're seeing a lot of demand for with Azure Sphere. Uh, is uh, a, this guardian uh, scenario where uh, Azure Sphere sort of sits in the middle, right? It, it, the Azure Sphere device is the one that's receiving these internet-based threats. It consumes traffic and checks that it's legitimate, right? Uh, and then provides, uh, uh, you know, communicates in turn with uh, the guarded device, um, and. Uh, um, you know, enables that transfer of both telemetry one way or commands or, or, or come back. Or, uh, so uh, I, immediately I start thinking, way. you know, heavy industrial SCADA gear, that sort of thing that, sure. that only gets replaced every 20 something years. And, but you want it accessible remotely now. And yeah. you've always been terrified to put it on yeah. for very obvious reasons. So these guardian devices then come in and provide that gateway access. And just to come back to your, your question a bit earlier in terms of the development experience, mm-hmm. uh, one of the things I did yesterday uh, was to run a, a hands-on lab right. where in one hour we have people start with uh, you know uh, some unplugged hardware on the desk uh, you know a device that was to be guarded that we you know said oh you know this is not secure device and an Azure Sphere development board and we had the, that device's telemetry up in Azure IoT Central with graphing with alert monitoring so you can get an email if the humidity went too high we had people breathing on the device to trigger this right, email right. alert to their phone and our development experience uh, uh, meant that we could get people through that in in, uh, in an hour in an hour so yeah. you did. You did not do the easy workshop. The easy workshop was a greenfield implementation with just a, 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 an Azure Sphere device going up. You took unsecured hardware and added Guardian to it and then provided access through the sure. cloud to and it. And people created their Azure IoT Central applications completely from scratch, you know, with, with uh, their own Microsoft account mm-hmm. or, or school or work account. I kind of think the regular Azure product just fits into this equation. Like you, you're probably already using Azure. This is just another aspect of Azure you use as part of your IoT devices. Um, yeah, we, we, you know, we see a huge demand for people who, who are using Azure for a whole pile of different things, mm-hmm. uh, and Azure IoT. And, and particularly, you know, they have these other devices that, that, that need guarding and, right. and Azure Sphere sort of, you know, fits right in and allows them to, uh, take data from those devices and use, uh, you know, Azure IoT, uh, hub and, uh, and central, you know, things that are familiar to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's just part of the regular workflow. That's all you can just add, add all of these things in. Uh, yeah. And I guess I'll, when it comes to you've got existing IoT and you want it to be part of this, for the most part, it's just to add Guardian devices to make it work. Um, yeah. I guess it wouldn't be IoT yet because it wouldn't yet be on the internet. Yes. I guess uh, that's but, the. But yes, th- that's how to internetify your thing. Right. <laughs> but if you are on, the, if I have an IoT device that is not part of Azure Sphere and I'm thinking, I want. I want this to be part of this overall unified system. Yeah. Am I just talking about replacing that connectivity? Like, what, um, what does it take to get that across? So, uh, that's a good question. Uh, I think it, the answer to that is going to probably be very dependent on, you know, exactly what that device is sure. doing. I, I think, you know, uh, there are a lot of, 
uh, proof of concepts out there mm-hmm. that, that, that people have built that are very quick to build with, uh, let's just, you know, um, uh, connect the sensor up to the internet in, yeah. in the easiest way uh, possible. Uh, and then people come back and go, hang on a minute. Now I've got to worry about long-term maintenance. You yeah. know, do I have to do OS updates there? You know, what happens when the CVs hit? I have to worry about how to scale this. I have to worry about, and, and then, uh, you know, maybe people say, well, that was a nice proof of concept. Let's, let's that look at it. Let's look at a production solution here. In, in really a service provided model. I mean, you basically brought the cloud to IOT in that sense that I don't need, you know, the same reason I don't want to run virtual machines in the cloud is I have to own the OS. I'd rather use the platform and you guys own the OS. Thank sure. You. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's definitely a, a package solution that, 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 uh, enables you to be productive and focusing on just the bits you care about. The, the device side part you care about and the cloud side part you care mm-hmm. about. And the identity of the device and the security of the device are, uh, uh, things that, that, uh, you know, we take care of. Right. So in my IT role, I'm monitoring these devices. What kind of telemetry am I getting? Uh, well, so that completely depends on you mm-hmm. because the, the telemetry coming up from those devices, uh, um, is based on the application you've written on those devices and what you're setting up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, when you, uh, in the, in the demo, in the workshop yesterday, for example, we had, uh, uh humidity and temperature sensors sure. on the guarded device and we were sending those up, uh, to Azure RT Central and, and monitoring those. But it depends on the capabilities of the hardware you have there. But I, and I guess I'm thinking from a plumbing point of view of what are the messages that this, uh, all devices routinely send. Am I aware of when they're getting patched? Am I, you know, aware of certain behaviors? Like, do, am I going to need to learn about these devices enough to know, hey, these signals mean this? Um, so the, uh, each Azure Sphere device does have sort of two independent things it talks to, right? It mm-hmm. talks to the Azure Sphere Security Service and where, uh, you know, we provide the APIs that you use and the command line tools that you use in terms of managing, you know, what software right. each of those devices gets. Um, but in addition, it talks to whichever uh, other, you know, internet endpoint you want. Right. Uh, that's my own code. That's, that's my, my that's own That's your own service. service. And, and in terms of the telemetry for your device, um, uh, you know, from your application and, and rep- it can certainly report things like I was restarted and I was, yeah. uh, you know. Uh, and I'm thinking of, in terms of mission critical hardware that this IoT device is responsible for and being able to control when it takes an update. Uh, you know, that I don't yeah. want it offline. Although I think for the most part, these patches are really quick, right? But you still could be in an outage. Absolutely. For some so period of time. Y- this is a must have feature. And that's mm-hmm. why we shipped it, I believe, in the last release, but one. Mm-hmm. So the ability for uh, applications to defer updates and to be notified about pending updates right. so that they could, you know, you're in the middle of a wash cycle. Right? Yeah, yeah. You're, you need to be able to say, no, you can't do this right now. Or if, uh, the, the Azure Sphere OS says, no, I really do need to do this right this now. Is yeah, this is a critical, critical yeah. patch. Then there, to have some, uh, a period where the app can terminate gracefully, shut, you know, put the machine into a, a situation where it's a, a fail safe. Yeah. You know, We're going to do scenario. a one minute soak here, folks, and then <laughs> go get my update and then yeah. continue on. Yeah. But, but, but the other thing to say is you're quite right that, you know, when, uh, updates hit, depending on which part is being updated, only the relevant parts of, of the, uh, the platform uh, are sort of rebooted, as right. it were, right? So, it, it, you know, it's dependent on what kind of update it is. And, I, and I'm also looking, thinking from the perspective of someone like a Starbucks who's going to roll this across X many thousands of stores and doesn't want it all hitting at once, going, wants it in a rolling effect. 
just to be able to schedule coordinate that. Like, I like that you guys own that problem in the terms of this is what needs to be patched. But I do think from an IT perspective, I want some sense of control that I know when these roll across are going to happen. I'm trying to do them in ma- inside of maintenance windows, that sort of thing. So, yeah. that's, so that's why we started providing those APIs uh, for a notification and deferral. Yeah, and I do like the wrestling match too. It's like, no, no, at this level, you really need to stop what you're doing and patch now as opposed to this is a routine patch, just staying ahead of the game and yeah. you can put it into your maintenance cycle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So fairly intelligent set of negotiations there. Yeah. That's pretty sophisticated for a V1, James. <laughs> Well, let me tell you about another uh, sophisticated feature that we're really proud of that we've been, uh, I, I think it first came out in, in the May timeframe, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, but we, we've been enhancing it a lot, which is the support for the real-time cores on the, on the MT3620. Okay. So actually, there are three customer-accessible cores on that chip. Interesting. There's the uh, A7 core, which is the core shared with the... Uh, 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 the Azure Sphere OS or parts of it, right. um, where uh, you know that's the internet-facing core. It has networking and so on. But you also have two uh, what we call real-time cores, which on the MT3620 are M4Fs. Okay, uh, and those are completely in the customer's control. So at register level access uh, to you know to those uh, processors, right. and 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 this provides. Uh, uh, customers with uh, uh, an ability to dis- distribute their application um, so that, you know, parts of it that are uh, safety critical, that are real-time critical, mm-hmm. um, can run on the, the M-class cores, whereas the internet-facing parts can run on the A-class core. Interesting. And there's there's benefits for those reasons I described, but another key benefit of this is part of our security offering, is in compartmentalization. Sure. Uh, because let's say you, you have a bug in your A7 application and it gets compromised. Right. Um, if it's the M core that's controlling, for example, the heating element, yeah. then even if the A-class application uh, that you wrote was compromised uh, from some you know, internet uh, source, yep. it would not have the... You could try and control that, that IO that it was targeting on the heater, and it would not be able to. Yeah. It, well, you, you just... You, you already talked about that security in depth. This is yes. you may breach the A7 and get some control over that, but you still have to make that jump over to that other yeah. core. And I want to circle back to the comments you made earlier about security, uh, you know, n- not being a guarantee. Sure, which is you know, which is true. I yeah. agree with you on, and not being absolute. But the key thing that you need to be secured here is you is that defense in depth. Is the ability to say, okay, you know, when when something happens, you don't just have one reach that takes down your entire right, system that has complete that, control that not only gives you complete control over the device but also stops that device updating so right. that you can't update your way out of it yeah right it's important that if you have you know one level of breach that actually the device as a whole is still updatable sure right and the device as a whole you know some critical functions running on those safety uh, 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 running on those uh, real-time cores mm-hmm. aren't compromised just because an application on the a7 is compromised right and we are still only talking about an application on the a7 Odds are there's still parts of the A7 that are perfectly usable, including the update mechanism. Right. Yeah, that's that's key for us. Right, yeah. I mean, especially when we talk about IoT devices, that are often just not physically accessible. And even if they were, you can't do much with it physically because there's no head on it. So you've got to be able to remotely update them all of the time. They don't, they're don't. they not usable any other way. Yep. Uh, so even within that A7 
hardware, there is a fair bit of compartmentalization going on. There's different applications for different responsibilities. So let me give you one other example, Mm -hmm. uh, which is that every application, uh, including OS OS layer applications, but also the customer's applications on the A7, is required to list the internet endpoints that it uh, is designed to talk to. Right. The the manifest of communication. Inside the manifest, there's a a, a list of... of, um, uh, host names mm-hmm. uh, that that application is authorized to talk to, and what that means is again, let's imagine you know there was there was a compromise. Yeah. Now, one of the things that the person who's compromised the application might immediately want to do is, oh, let's go and talk to you know. Um, I want to hook it to my botnet, a botnet command and control network. It's a new endpoint. That now becomes very difficult, right? Mm -hmm. You you have you need to breach multiple further layers in in the system in order to do that. So again, we've got defense in depth there, and we we limit the the damage. And in some ways, it comes back to something you were saying earlier about, you know, would attackers try and attack this system if they realize actually, oh, it's a lot of work. You know, if I actually want this to join my botnet, that's how I make some money because I'm mining Bitcoin or something. Right. You know, this isn't not this is not a way easier target. (laughs) This is not a good target. This is that club scenario, right? Remember the old club on your steering wheel thing? It's not like it made your car impossible to steal. It just made it harder than another car to steal. So somebody just wants a car, skips your car. Yeah. I mean, there is an element of that. Mm -hmm. But our goal is as a a product group is that every uh, uh, vehicle out there yeah. has it is uplifted in terms of the the security. So that all we, of them are hard. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we don't want to just push people off attacking Azure Sphere devices onto attacking other devices. Right. We, we want the whole industry to be moving this direction where you should, as a consumer or as an enterprise, have a default expectation that IoT devices are secure. Right. Then we're going to have to roll this into the regular devices too, you know. Like it, it's neat to think in terms of these new devices, just at a deeper level security than a lot of other things. I want that on my laptop, man. Well, you have that on your laptop yeah. right now, right? You know, Windows uh, is uh, meets the seven properties of highly secure devices. Does it? Yeah, I guess I would buy that. You know, it all depends on how good the patches are that day. We have good patches and bad. I could show you the shows. Hey, James, really fun to talk to you. I'm excited for Azure Sphere. If folks Thank want to you. get started, where do they go? Uh, well, if you just search for Azure Sphere, you'll find our website where there's a lot of information about how to get started. There's uh, links to developer kits you can buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a lot of uh, GitHub-based samples uh, and, uh, and documentation to help you if you just want to build out a proof of concept, either for a specific purpose or just want to play with it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the show. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. And we'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio. Thank you.